Here at Siren Soapbox, we believe that if you wait until something is perfect to share it, then the world may never see it. This episode isn't our best work, but we sure are proud that we put ourselves out there. We are lifelong learners and explorers, and we lead by example. We want our early work to be proof of that. We've learned and grown so much over the last year, and if you're new here, we invite you to listen to our show starting with the most recent episode, then work your way back. You are not alone, because there is strength in sisterhood. No one knows that better than Annie, Becky, Jess, Lauren, Mary, and Tracy. Six lovely sirens who have been through the storms of life and help one another through the other side. Join them in this safe space to unwind with these uniquely minded women as they sound off on a different topic each week with some tips and tricks for everyday quandaries along the way. They don't always agree, but they will always love each other. Now, let's dive into another amazing episode of the Siren Soapbox. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Siren Soapbox. Today, we're going to discuss lessons learned in therapy. I doubt this conversation is going to get heated, but you never know. And if it does, we have a safe word, and that safe word is mango. mango. All right. Uh, first up on her soapbox tonight is going to be Tracy. Take it away. Lessons learned in therapy. I have three, and they span the spectrum. So once upon a time, I was in a relationship that was not a healthy one. And when it was time for that relationship to end, we ended by going to therapy. And the good thing about this therapy session is that I learned all about the Enneagram, which is really fascinating. And I think we're gonna cover that later. And I can't remember where I landed in the Enneagram. But in this therapy session, it was uh, the, the relationship that was ending was ending in a very physical way. It had gotten physically abusive. And so we were going to therapy. And at one point, the therapist said to me, what did you do to precipitate this violence? And that was my last therapy session with him. And so one of the things I learned in that therapy session was that not all therapists are the best therapists for me or for anyone for that matter. So that's one example. The next example I had is I went to a a Reiki specialist and she was amazing and I learned a lot from her but I remember in one of the sessions I was trying to make some really tough decisions that I knew would be hurtful and she said in the universe we're all connected and what's best for one person is best for everyone because we're all connected And so even though a decision you might make might be temporarily painful for someone, in the end, it's the best decision for everyone. So the trick to life is learning what is truly best for you and doing that because it is truly best for everyone. And that's kind of become a life philosophy of mine. And it was a really pivotal and important moment. 
Um, the next thing that I learned from therapy was not my therapist at all. It was Mer Hodge's therapist. And I remember talking to Mer Hodge about my current relationship with Dino and how easy it is and how amazed I was that it's just so easy. And Mer Hodge said, my therapist says it's supposed to be easy. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard, but I, I, I don't know. It's the first time I ever really, you know, everyone says that if it's worth having, then, you know, nothing worth having is easy to get. You have to work for things that are worth having, blah, blah, blah. This relationship is really easy. So to hear her therapist through her mouth say, it's supposed to be easy, was really nice for me. That's it. That's what I've learned from therapy. And next up is Elsie. All right. Thank you, TC. Um, so I want to first off start off by saying my mom was a social worker. So and she worked with troubled teens when I was a teenager. So every day when I came home from school, it was like a therapy session. So I think for the longest time, I didn't need therapy until I was in my late 30s. And um, well, I have a horror story that I'll talk about later with my first therapist. My second therapist, my my lessons learned there, and it was the best advice I think I've ever been given. I was kind of at a crossroads in my life, and I didn't know what to do, and I very much felt like I was in purgatory and everything was on hold. And she said to me, if you were to act now, would you regret it? And I said, yes. And she said, okay then, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So that got my butt into gear and I was able to do things to make myself feel better and prepare for the, the worst and hope for the best. Um, I've had a couple online therapists that did not work out so well, um, which again, I can talk about horror stories later. And then my current therapist, which is our couples therapist, I absolutely love. Um, no real lessons learned there, but I just love the fact that he he cheers us on. And that's what's important to me in a therapist is that he is like our cheerleader and he's so happy. Like he's almost been brought to tears like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you too when we're happy and laughing during a session. And just hearing that is awesome. Um, and I also learned that like I like tangible results and I like my, I guess, quote unquote homework. So when I have a therapist that is like, all right, I want you to do this, this, and this, or write something down, watch this movie, whatever. It gives me milestones and gives me a place where I can stop and reflect on how far I've come from where I was when I first started. Um, and I think that's just about my two minutes. Um, I do have questions for you ladies later because Yay. Yes. Um, it's exhausting finding a new therapist. So I want to talk about that later. But I, at first, I want to pass it on to Mary Hodge. Well, thank you both. Um, I agree with everything both of you just said, which is why, shocker, right? Which is why hopefully we'll have some new siren guests in the future to disagree with us, and that'll be fun. Um, our My lessons learned in therapy... I have three. 
Number one, um, therapy is not a one-size-fits-all solution. You'll need to be willing to find someone new if your therapist isn't someone you connect with. I had four therapists before I found the one that I loved and the one that I connected with. Number two, depression is so real, but so is your ability to pull yourself out of dark places. And my therapist, the, the one that I connected with, she helps me find tools to use to help me do that. And that brings me to number three. My therapist never told me how to handle a situation. She never told me what to do. She never like tried to solve my problems. She was there to listen to me and she was there to tell me that I was being unreasonable when I was being unreasonable. And she was there to teach me how to make healthy choices by introducing me to um, what's called cognitive distortions. And then she encouraged me to use a journal to track negative thoughts that I was having, any thought that I was having that did not, that did not feel like it was um, helping me go in a, in a positive direction, whatever direction I wanted to go. If I was feeling a thought, no matter what it was, um, she encouraged me to journal the thought and then to read through the list of 10 cognitive distortions and identify which ones this thought was sort of resonating with. And it was like within days of doing that, a light bulb went off and I was like, I realized that these things I was thinking and feeling were choices that I was making to feel that way. So that, that, that was my um, big takeaway from therapy was learning about cognitive distortions. And that's all I got. So while we're on the topic of cognitive distortions, I would love for you to talk more about it. I, I love the fact that you talked about your negative thought journal because I am currently, it's been almost a year, I'm still struggling with a previous job that I had and I told my husband last night, I'm like, I am just going to write everything down and maybe someday it'll be a book, who knows? But all of my crazy stories and journeys with that whole process, I wanna write it down just so that if I've purged it and it's done and it's over with, I don't ever have to think about it again. So I love that. Cognitive distortion. I want to know more about that because at what point is it I like to listen to my gut? Right. And I, I understand that. And it's not steered me wrong so far. So where's that line? I, I, I want to hear more. Okay. Well, there I have here a list of 10 cognitive distortions. This came from the Center for Cognitive and Behavioral Change. Now, for those of you listening, which is everyone, because this is a fucking podcast. This is on a piece of paper. Well, it's actually two pieces of paper. She didn't even copy it front to back. But the type is like... I'm having PTSD type. looking at that from a previous therapist, by the way. You what? I'm having PTSD looking at that piece of paper from a, my first therapist, by the way. Me too. I want to know what you did to precipitate the violence in her heart. <laughs> <laughs> that paper, oh God, I know. Why does everything from a therapist look so old? Right? 
Anyway. Because it works still, I guess? It, it worked for me. I, I would go through this list. All right. I, at the time, I'm going to have to think about, I, I don't still don't even remember. I actually tried to find the journal tonight so that I could read some of the negative thoughts I had written down and I couldn't find my journals. Maybe that was the universe telling me to let it the fuck go. Yes. But all right. So number one, all or nothing thinking. You see things in black and white categories. If your performance falls short of perfect, you see yourself as a total failure. So that's the first one. The second one, and feel free to interrupt me whenever you guys have a comment. Yeah, just read the main titles. Oh, okay. Number two, overgeneralization. Number three, mental filter. Number four, disqualifying the positive. Wait, this might be too general. That's why I, I know. <laughs> Sorry. I was so wrong. It's what I learned from therapy. <laughs> Don't say I know. <laughs> that's right. right. That's what we learned from manifestation, babe. Yes. So, that's one of my goals. I'm going to take a break before I go back to number two, overgeneralization, which is what Tracy tried to get me to do just now. Generalize. Um, <laughs> one time I was following Tracy to go either pick her car up or drop her car off or something at some station, you know. Panic that she was following her to this place I had never been. I assumed I knew where I was going. So I tried to like get over into a different lane. Cause I was like, this bitch needs to get over. I don't know what the fuck she's thinking. And then she never got over because she was probably like, why the fuck is that bitch getting over? <laughs> But I have such a hard time letting go of control. And I don't know why I thought of that when this came up. It's because I had Stella's. All right. <laughs> Number two, overgeneralization. You see a single negative event as a never ending pattern of defeat. Number three, mental filter. That's your category. Write that down if you're taking notes, friends. And here's the description. I'm not gonna say that every time. You pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it exclusively so that your vision of all reality becomes darkened, like the drop of ink that discolors the entire beaker of water. The mental filter is, is a strong friends. I read this in my kindness magazine. Is that like so, somebody with blue eyes did something bad to me, so now everybody with blue eyes is bad? Is that well, similar? you think about um, like serial killers, for example. My mom was a dirty whore, so all women are dirty whores. Okay, so yeah, similar. That's a mental distortion to a different degree okay. that we probably won't cover on this podcast because Elsie's afraid of true crime. We can talk Sweet. about it. I'm open. Oh, good. I love your brain. I love your big open brain. <laughs> all right, number four. <laughs> Number four, disqualifying the positive. You reject, oh, sorry, not reject because that's not a real word. You reject positive experiences by insisting they don't count for some reason or other. In this way, you can maintain a negative belief that is contradicted by your everyday experiences. There you go. Oh, this great thing happened to me, but that's not normal. It was a fluke. A good example of this is my mom. She um, 
something good will happen. Like she gets prescribed a medication for her psoriasis, her skin. And instead of being happy about it, she thinks about all the negative things that go along with it. Like I'm going to have to have blood work done once a month. Well, your skin won't crack and bleed every day. So <laughs> let's be positive about it. All right, number five, jumping to conclusions. You make a negative interpretation even though there are no definite facts that convincingly support your conclusion. An example, A, mind reading. You arbitrarily conclude that someone is, is reacting negatively to you and you don't bother to check this out. And B, the fortune teller error. You anticipate that things will turn out badly and you feel convinced that your, predi your prediction is an already established fact. Dino! <laughs> What's up, ladies? <laughs> Aww. Number six, magnification, which is catastrophizing or minimization. You exaggerate the importance of things, such as your goof up or someone else's achievement, or you inappropriately shrink things until they appear tiny, such as your own desirable qualities or the other fellow's imperfections. This is also called she said. The, <laughs> the binocular trick. <laughs> I do that sometimes, or not so much anymore, but during this time when I was feeling depressed, I can remember taking like something, you know, if I would do something, make an error at work, that's typically not a big deal, but it would like snowball. I would build it up in my mind into this big giant deal that it just wasn't. All right, number seven, emotional reasoning. You assume that your negative emotions necessarily reflect the way things really are. I feel it, therefore it must be true. Number eight, should statements. You try to motivate yourself with shoulds and shouldn'ts as if you had to be whipped and punished before you could be expected to do anything. Musts and oughts are also offenders. The emotional consequence is guilt. When you direct should statements toward others, you feel anger, frustration, and resentment. We're hanging in there, ladies. You were getting so close. Labeling and mislabeling. This is an extreme form of overgeneralization. Instead of describing your error, you attach a negative label to yourself, such as, I'm a loser. When someone else's behavior rubs you the wrong way, you attach a negative label to him. He's a goddamn loser. <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It says, he's a goddamn louse. I read it wrong. It's old type. <laughs> what is the copyright on that? 1950s? Probably. Fucking louse. Fucking louse. When was the last time you heard someone call someone a louse? He's a louse. Five seconds ago okay. and before that, before I was born. <laughs> Never in my life, five seconds ago. That was so many times that it took place. <sighs> this labeling involves cognitive distort. Oh, that's the, that's the top of the next page. <laughs> Mislabeling. Oh, the 
that's the challenge of the week. Suds, we need you to use the word louse. We are bringing it back. It's perfect. All right. Mislabeling involves describing an event with language that is highly colored and emotionally loaded. And number 10, we made a drum roll. Wait, wait, what was mine? Mislabeling. Yeah, you were paying attention. Labeling and mislabeling. That was eight. Eight was Number should eight statements. Was, was what? Should statements. Oh, I missed that one. Uh-huh. Seven is emotional reasoning. <laughs> that was. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> right, that's what I was saying. All right. Number yes. ten. Number ten. Personalization. You see yourself as the cause of some negative external event, which in fact, you are not primarily responsible for. And those are the 10 cognitive distortions that I would categor I would use to categorize my negative thoughts. And just once I made myself aware of it, it was pretty easy to reverse that thinking. Which one do you think you use the most, Marhaj? Um. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at these for a second and, and think about that. I think the mental filter I probably used a lot. And probably um, should statements. Because I remember at the time being very angry. Uh, not only was I depressed, it was very angry. Um, disqualifying the positive, I probably did a lot of that. So there, there were themes I remember. I would, I would, I would write something down, and then I would. It was never just like one. It was always like, well, this fits a couple of categories, you know. And I don't know. Looking at it in that way, which. Weirdly enough, it was um, that was our exercise today, day nine of our 21-day challenge that we'll talk about later. Day nine was <laughs> oh, pulling not, the only, leads. not only Tracy's favorite day of the month, but also the uh, day that we had to write down all the things that scare us. That's a good point. I thought of you. I was like, Mary's going to like that because they talked about pulling the weeds in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And that's cathartic. Mm-hmm. You never pulled weeds in a garden. But at what point, I guess, do you apply the cognitive distortion or do you say, I have to follow my gut? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if I, because I'm a believer in following the gut, but sometimes your your mind gets in the way of the gut. It's I think it's two different things. Yeah, I think if your gut is telling you something bad, then it's probably not, I feel like that's probably not the right thing. I, I feel like when your gut is telling you, to, if your gut's telling you to beware or um, all right, I'm just gonna leave it at that. 
if your gut's telling you to beware, I think that's one thing, but if your gut is telling you something that makes you feel off or not right, then I think that that's wrong. I think you're reading your gut wrong. I don't know. I think it's different. I think your your head tells you some things and your gut tells you some things, and I think there's a slight difference between the two. How you tell the difference, I'm not completely certain, but I do think there's a difference. I think your intuition well, and your and your cognitive, your I think it's I think there's a difference. Well, maybe maybe the maybe that's a good point, and maybe I don't know the difference or I don't I can't explain it because that wasn't something I experienced because these really are all cognitive so I don't I, I have I have gut have feelings you, and they're not wrong even if they are negative I guess have you ever been in a situation where you're just like oh my gut tells me I shouldn't be here but then your mind says you need to do this for these reasons. Like to me, that's the difference. Your your gut is just an internal nudging. It's a nudge, whereas your mind is you trying to overcome that nudge. I think that these cognitive distortions are your mind trying to overcome your nudge. Do you that, have an that example? That sounds bad, though. What? The mind over, the mind overcoming the nudges, that sounds bad. Because if we listen yeah. to everything that um, begin with yes and manifestation, babe, you're supposed to follow those nudges. Follow the nudge, not the mind. The mind is what's telling you not to follow the nudge. You have to learn to follow the nudge. So then I guess my question is how do you figure out the difference because I had those nudges to quit when my mind was, was right like choice. my mind was like this is your dream job this is everything you love why are you doing this and I'm like and I 100% a year later to this day made the right decision well there you go but I could have easily applied some of these cognitive distortion topics to it and been like, no, it's just my mind. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I think that we would have to be back in that time to, to assess that. I think there's no doubt in my mind what you did was wrong. And I think the feelings that you were feeling. It was wrong? Did I say that they were? Yes. I said it wasn't. Wow. Talk about a slip. <laughs> no, it, you, did not, you did not make the wrong choice is what I meant to say. You did absolutely did not make the wrong choice. I think if you had this list of cognitive distortions at the time, you if you think about the individual situations in that position that made you feel that way, none of these apply. Not a single one of these apply to any of those individual situations. And, and I know about them because you're my friend. So I don't, I think that you still would have come to the same conclusion, even if you had this tool. So I guess maybe it's trying, it's trying to teach you to be positive. That's exactly right. Listening to those nudges and still being positive thinking because that's, oh, I just read this. I'm wondering if I'm going to find it. 
<laughs> I found it. How you get there is where you'll arrive. So to me, if you're positive about it, that's how you're going to get there. Yep, that's exactly right. And you have the choice. That's why I tell Connor all the time, he's probably listening. Ugh, school's going to suck. I don't want to do this. Well, if you say it's going to suck, it's going to suck. Yeah, I say it all the time too. And my fucking kid, man, she's a pain in the ass. I'll be like, I have to blah, blah, blah. She's like, well, <laughs> you don't have to. You choose to. You get to. <laughs> Change it. You get to. At least she's listening to me, mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I wrote them down. I'm going to start using these cognitive distortions. I like it because I want to try and be more positive. That's my goal. Now I got to ask you guys if you have any... Ugh. I know TC has a horror story. She already told us about her horror story. I can't even believe. And how did you even handle when he said that to you? What did you do to precipitate this violence? Yeah, what the fuck was your response to that? Did you punch him in the throat? Right? Oh yeah, no punched him, yeah. That's what I did. And then I got arrested, but I convinced the cops that that was uh, disqualifying the positive number four yeah, <laughs> kidding. i'm making all this up um when he said that i probably stared in, at him in silence for a minute and then i said to him there's absolutely nothing that i did to precipitate that that what he did to precipitate that was drink a lot of alcohol that's the precipitating factor and that was Oh, wait, that might be um, I would have fucking walked out right after that. That man should have lost I his think. fucking license. Did I drop the F bomb first again? No, no you didn't. Damn it! I've been saying it for like 18 times. And I went back and listened to our alien podcast, and I definitely said it before you thought you did. I'm totally ear blind to you saying it, Mary. I know, it's because I fucking cuss all the time. You fucking do. Okay, so I didn't say it first. But that man should have lost his license, TC. Like, no doubt about it. Like that, Nobody does anything to deserve any sort of violence on any level. That's fucking bullshit. Right. And that makes right, me For angry. sure. That's inexcusable. Yeah. What about you, Elsie? Do you have a horror story you want to share? Um, so... My, I told you about my first quote-unquote experience with therapy was my mom, basically. That was my safe space. She and I, we talk, we connect. She gave me tools that I needed. Like, I felt like in my very first, like, actual therapy session that I knew so much going in that I could manipulate the conversation to go in whatever direction I wanted it to. Um, but it was free through the military. She was in our neighborhood. It was in her home. And it was a, it's a beautiful old home. But she's a hoarder. There are books piled to the ceiling. Thank God. If she's in a session, down the hallway to get to her waiting room, you have to walk through a line of soiled pee pads from her dogs. And wait in this room where you can't even sit down because the couches are so torn up and if you go through her office to avoid the pee pads you get yelled at 
because that's her office and you can't go through there and you're like well I don't want to walk through the pee pads this woman her hair was always everywhere she had stains all over her clothes I'm like in retrospect I'm like she can't even have her own life together what right does she have to give me any advice and I think at that point we were so desperate for help we were just like okay we're getting some sort of help I felt good because she hated my husband <laughs> she would cut him off and like no you need to listen to her and I'm like yes yes girl I love you and um I recommended her to a friend and she's got her own horror stories from this woman and like just nothing good came of it and she gave us papers much like yours Mary where it was printed but they were always crooked and like yeah. part of it was like missing and I'm like why can't we type this or make this an email like why why is it so archaic um, so that was my first really bad experience. My second bad experience, and that was with the woman that gave me my best advice wait, ever. If, wait, before you go on to your second bad experience, <laughs> a, couple, a couple things. Um, number one, I feel like walking through the hall of pee pads needs to be like a saying that we have from <laughs> now on. Yeah. How was your day? So it was like, like dude, walking through down a wall, a hall of pee pads. That's right. <laughs> Do not go there. Do not. You are walking through the hall of pee pads. Just stop where you are and turn around. <laughs> I wish I would have take took pictures because it's it was awful. It was. But the awful. other thing is, you described her as her hair all over the place and stand all over her clothes and I'm picturing a fucking mermaid so stains stains <laughs> not sand stains oh, I thought you said sand I'm like her hair's all over and she's got sands all over her clothes I'm like she's a mermaid no 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 like okay clearly oh, she had just rolled out of bed not like beach right. waves <laughs> okay 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 oh, pause yes yes Mark. Patty's rolling out a mermaid's certification program i saw that are, are you Keep gonna going. lead it <laughs> all right all right let's continue down the hall of pee pads number yeah. two so my my best therapist that gave me the best advice she didn't have the best bedside manner i guess um because we'd be having a really great session and I'd be crying and mid-sentence she'd be like here's a tissue how are you paying today <laughs> and it felt really dirty <laughs> like I'm paying for a hooker just gonna say it <laughs> there's a tissue leave your money on the nightstand right <laughs> oh and no kissing on the lips fucker We're getting, you're getting too close stop like it just when payment becomes involved it just there's part of the therapy session where it just feels like businessy and like you don't actually care about me like our couples therapist that we currently have it's through the military insurance so it's none of that even comes up he ends the session with when am i going to see you guys next when's our next appointment and that's a much smoother transition than just give me your money bitch yeah. <laughs> it's just what you want to hear at the end of a date. When am I going to see you again? Exactly. It's much nicer. <laughs> and then my last, like with the online therapy. Oh, wait, pause before you get into that one. <laughs> I do think that the billing is a necessary evil, especially if for someone who's like, 
you know, running their own business and has eight million dogs and pee pads to buy. But the well, no, that was the first lady. But I agree, it is a business. Let's do that at the beginning, not when yeah, I've opened I myself them. up to you. But I, I think that we have a responsibility to say that then. If the therapist works for you in every other way, then I think we have a responsibility to say that let, let's just fucking pay for it before we get started because you make me feel dirty when we do it the other way. <laughs> but my my therapist, the one who I love, she kind of did the best of both worlds. She, she was like, okay, what time's about up? When are you coming in next? And that kind of wrapped up the session. And then she'd say, okay, you owe blah, 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 before I left. So it was kind That's of- That's a little bit better. Yeah, it's, it's a little better. It's a little softer. Yeah. All right, so what's number three? So my online therapist wanted me to ask my husband in the middle of the act if he thinks about other women. Ew, that's gross. Don't do that. What if he said yes? You don't want to know the answer no. to that shit. I, and that's you why I don't see with? her anymore. Like, what? That's why I don't see this woman anymore. Dude, that's conniving and manipulative. She also wanted me to have a nest egg, my own savings account, and I got an inheritance from my grandfather, and I didn't put it all in savings. And she's like, let me guess, you flaked out. She called you a flake? Yeah, I was thinking, bitch, that's none of your business. First of all, I'm not concerned financially. That's not what's tying me down to any relationship. If right. I needed to leave, I can leave, and my parents would support me. I know that. I've tried telling her that, but it was a very, like, who are you? Like, and she recommend books to me that just were not the appropriate books for me to be reading in my situation. So I'm just like, I'm done with you. Goodbye. Was she, was she a man hater? She could have been. Uh, it, it's again it always starts really good and then I'm like in retrospect like these are things that people shouldn't be saying to me but I guess it goes back to I think it was what you said Mary that it's not one size fits all it's not and therapists are people too I think the TC said that that's it, what I was gonna say I mean therapists are people they're people and some of them are some people are really smart and really good at their jobs and some people are a lot less smart and not as good at their jobs. And and that spectrum is in every profession. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to think about when you're looking for a therapist is that it's not like a magical thing that because somebody's a therapist, they, they are wise and all knowing. They're people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but the nest egg thing I get, like I, and the thing you have to remember about your therapist is she, she doesn't know that you have parents who can help you through things because some of us don't have that. And it is important to, like, I, I was in an abusive relationship and I made a lot of money. I made a lot more money than he made. But when I left that relationship, I had nothing and I was broke and it was hard and he was fine financially, even though I probably made twice what he made. It's it's hard. So having that nest egg, that piece is probably a good piece of advice for anyone in any situation. But the rest of what you described is a little bit fucked up. Yeah, I agree. I, at first, when you were like nest egg, I was like, yeah, that's sensible. But the calling you a flake part is fucked up. 
fucked up. None of her fucking, what the fuck? So let's talk about finding a therapist for a minute while we're on this topic. Um, I, I don't, I don't have horror stories. I just have stories of not jiving with my therapist. So let's talk about that. The first time I went to see a therapist, I was super depressed. I was uh, married and I, my mom, it always starts with my mom being sick, guys. It's like a trigger. So it always starts with my mom being sick. Um, she's a few episodes behind, so she probably won't hear this. It's fine for a while. <laughs> when she does, she'll just ignore it anyway, so, and pretend everything's okay. <laughs> but anyway, it was, it started with my mom being sick or my sister using drugs or something. It was, it was like really long time ago. And I saw this chick for a little while and she recommended I go on an antidepressant, which I did for about six months and it was super helpful. But this chick, she was good, but we did a couple of um, hypnotherapy sessions. So I do believe in hypnosis. And we did one hypnosis to help me stop smoking and one hypnosis to help me relax. And she recorded both of these for me. But in the middle of one of them, she coughs like super loud, like <coughs> in the middle of the hip of the hypnosis. And I could never fucking listen to it after we recorded it because it was just awful. I think I tried it once or twice, but I knew when this fucking cough was gonna happen, and so I couldn't <laughs> listen to the recording anymore. It was terrible. So I that was a very temporary um, time. So I saw her for just like two or three months not very long at all and then wait i just want to point out that Murhan's horror story is a cough so just I know this as you go through life yeah. being her friend don't cough well to be fair i did say i don't have horror stories so <laughs> however when i the next time i needed a therapist was like three years ago i guess four years ago and I did not call this woman back because of that fucking cough in the middle of the hypnosis. I couldn't get over it. <laughs> so, yeah, don't fucking cough, bitch, if you want to be my friend. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, I, I actually, okay, I was so depressed that I actually think I did call her, but she wasn't accepting new patients at the time or something. It had been so long since I'd seen her that it would essentially be a new patient. So I was able to, all right, this is the, this is the part I wanted to talk about because if you're depressed and you need a therapist, finding a therapist is fucking hard. And then, so this is what I did. I was like, okay, Mary, you're gonna find a therapist today. It's gonna happen. And it, it, I, I didn't really know where to start or what to do. I remember sitting at my desk at work and my boss's boss walked by and was like, hey, how are you today? And I was like, <laughs> and she was like, oh my God. <laughs> I went, when was this? This is like four years ago. It was like right after I bought the house. So I, I went into an office and I, I got online, I got online with my insurance company and I found a list of people that my insurance provider says um, they'll cover, right? So then I start making phone calls. 
because they all say they're accepting new patients. So I start making phone calls. We're not accepting new patients. Make another phone call. We're not accepting new patients. Make another phone call. Oh, we only accept Medicaid. Um, why the fuck are you on my insurance company's website then? This was like for someone who's depressed to be rejected constantly by someone who was supposed to help you felt devastating. And, and it was very difficult each time to pick up that phone again and to make another phone call. But it was, it was so important. Um, so I finally did get in with somebody. She was a fucking nut job. And I, she was like older than me. So I thought maybe she was like wise, but she was just like, I think she was high all the time. Like she had no interest in listening to me. She was just going through the motions and then she'd schedule another appointment and then I'd come in and she would just, like she had no personality. She had no feedback for me. She had nothing. She was just like sitting there listening. So I that I had to stop. I would like cancel appointments and just not show up because I fucking hated her. I was like, this isn't working. So I found somebody else that my insurance would cover, and her name was Christina something, and she was like, okay, I at the time was like, I don't know, thirty eight years old, thirty seven years old. This bitch was like in her late twenties, early thirties. She had no experience <laughs> like I had in my life. She was like, although we did, we had similar lives. Like she went to a Catholic grade school and a Catholic high school. I will guarantee you that her childhood was vastly different than mine. She grew up in like the, the well-to-do part of town and we weren't relating with each other and I was definitely smarter than her and I don't mean that to sound shitty I just was I was smarter than her and I felt like going to her was a waste of my time so I had to eventually quit that too and I happened upon this chick the last person I went to her name was Jan love Jan I happened upon her just looking up a name and she uh she changed my life. She was like the best therapist ever. She was this older Jewish woman and she wouldn't put up with any bullshit and she would tell me when I was being an idiot. And I loved that and that's what I needed. And she was so smart, but it took a lot to get there. And I spent a lot of time with her and she eventually graduated me from therapy. But... How do you graduate from therapy? Well, she said, I think we're good. <laughs> I think I think we've reached a place where you're you'll be okay on your own and if you need me i'm here is she the one who said it should be simple she is the one who's she is the one who said that so mary you bring up a very interesting point because when i found my second therapist that gave me my best advice of my life i was drowning i could barely keep my head above water and making the phone calls and trying to find somebody took everything out of me it's exhausting is fucking exhausting and it took weeks to it's like once you call to get a therapist it's already too late you needed them weeks ago and now you're having to schedule weeks out and it's just like what do you do in the meantime and you know i stopped going to her because you know the bedside manner and i started doing the online therapy thing and i stopped doing that and my husband sees somebody on um, for a therapist, and he's like, I think you should see somebody again still. And I'm like, 
I just don't want to put the work into it. Like, it seems like so much work right now to go through the whole story and explain everything. And I'm like, it feels like going backwards. That's what it feels like every time you start with a new therapist. You have to tell your story over again to someone new. In fact, last week I was feeling, it might have been earlier this week, I was feeling something. And I called Tracy. I was like, I'm calling you because you know the history and I don't have to explain anything to you. That I need to talk. (laughs) This has to come out. So do we need to have, like, we go to a regular doctor for our bodies. Should we go to a checkup once a year with a mental health doctor? So you don't have to go and do the work. So that you... That would be be amazing. That would actually be amazing. I think we should. Should we challenge ourselves to make an appointment with a therapist? Yeah, I don't know. I will tell you that I went to see someone and after spending a half hour, so think of all the people that you've met in your lives, like all the times you've sat in an airport and started chatting with someone or been at a restaurant and chatting with someone for half an hour. I sat and chatted with someone for half an hour and she told me she thought I was bipolar and prescribed me lithium, which by the way, I never actually filled that prescription or took it, but I was like, really? After half an hour, you're prescribing me lithium? Let's put that drug up. Serious shit. Well, here's what I have a problem with doctors prescribing stuff too, because pharmacies give them a kickback sometimes on how much they're prescribing drugs. I think we can do this without drugs. Some people can't. My, my, I asked my doctor about that and I think he's in, in the, uh, no drug camp. Um, but he says that an SSRI, he thinks is helpful because it does, he thinks it does do something. It does boost some hormone that um, can kind of help you get over the hump. So he thinks that it's not necessarily a bad thing. However, we do want to work on weaning me off of it. So it, like I'm still taking a an antidepressant and I've been on it for quite some time. Um, but I, we're talking about weaning, weaning me off of it now. It's, you know, it's time, it's time to try it anyway. Well, but, that's, you've been working with that person for how long? Oh, actually I saw um, some medicine he prescribed to me the other day. I think I've known him for like five years now. So that's way different than, um, <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you just say that out loud? <laughs> I don't know. It just cracked me up. I just wrote down Merced hormone and hump in the same sentence. And I just thought it was funny, but I didn't want to get us off topic. So I don't know how that didn't. Anyway, sorry. Keep but going. there's nothing wrong with being prescribed drugs if you need drugs. But you've been working with somebody for five years. If you've just met somebody and you're talking with them for 30 right. minutes... That's oh, and, scary. And I, I did barely know the guy when I went in to get drugs from him for my anti for, for my depression. Um, he was my actually so I guess it's been four years. He was a new doctor to me. And he he did say, you know, okay, let I'll prescribe you something. It wasn't fucking lithium. <laughs> it was a very small dose of whatever it was. I, we've tried a couple different things. But he, he warned me that antidepressants these ssris boosters ssri boosters that they work 
best when you are also seeing a therapist. So it's not just take this drug and be done with it. You have to do some work. Well, being granted, some of it is chemical. Mm -hmm. some, some issues are chemical or some issues become chemical. And so maybe a drug that um, has an impact on your chemical balance can help, but I don't necessarily think that it's always necessary. To see a therapist? To take drugs. Oh, no, I agree. That's what that's what hit my doctor's point was, is the yeah. pill, the drugs work better with a therapist. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, I'm kind of leaning more towards the not seeing a therapist camp. This is not just trying to sound like I'm trying to be different. I've just had so many negative experiences, and I think the best... I felt was when I was working with a retreat group and we were all working on our witnesses and everybody you know somebody different would go each week and it's a in a community and you see all these people and you think wow they have their lives together and they're amazing people doing all these amazing things and then when we do this retreat and you give your witness on your life story and it, it is a Catholic thing so explain what a witness is so a witness is when you experience something that brings you closer to Christ and you tell your testimony to other people so that they can have their own experience. So I went to this retreat in October as a receiver and listened to all these witnesses and it was one of the most life-changing experiences for me. And you see all these women who you think one of them was a girl that I went to high school with and I hadn't seen her in almost 20 years and she was one of the popular ones and I was kind of intimidated by her and she went up and she gave her witness about her life and you learn that everybody is broken and it took a community and it took getting into scripture and that was the best that I felt. I mean, when my husband's like, I want you to go back into therapy, you know, I want you to feel better. I'm like, honestly, what made me feel better was going to my retreat group once a week. And that's not a replacement for therapy. I think people absolutely need therapy, but you need to find what works for you. And if right. it's, it's kind of like group therapy, I guess. Yeah, and that's back to the, it's not a one size fits all. Not only are you going to, you're not necessarily going to, um, you're not necessarily going to, uh, it's not just a therapist that you have to think about, but it, what kind of therapy works for you. So right. like group there, I mean, going to meeting with a bunch of women once a week for, you know, retreat, that's therapy. I like Tracy, when I was depressed, I saw a Reiki specialist and I think that that was, I think that was very helpful because I believe in energy and healing that energy and that's what this Reiki specialist did for me. So it's not, I think there are many types and ways to seek therapy or to receive therapy. I just want to point out that this is the, I think, third, if not more, episode in a row where we have talked about 
the universe and what's good for one is good for all. Like that theme has come up three times in a row at least. Well, it's the truth. And I know Tracy said that, that she's sort of lived her life by that since she heard it. And thankfully I was, gosh, we were, well, we still are best friends, but at the time we were like thick as thieves best friends. Cause she, you know, we lived like five minutes away from each other, but I have been living by that as well. And it could not be more true. Mm -hmm. Working on yourself helps the whole universe. So at the same time, my therapist introduced me to the cognitive distortions. She also gave me a printout. Um, it's called Five Rules of Rational Thinking. And if your thoughts don't align with these five rules, that is when you should take a look at the cognitive distortions. Do you guys want to hear the rules? So it's five thoughts of what? Again, it's it's five rules of rational thinking and again it's printed on um paper it looks like it was typed up at some point and then run through a copy machine 80 million times after it was, it was printed in 1872 <laughs> yeah and look at look at all the black dots. Yeah. it's like it was push pinned into a cork board 800,000 times so ridiculous that's ridiculous. before it was copied all right Five rules of rational thinking. Number one, it lines up with the facts. Number two, it helps me reach my goals. Number three, it helps me feel how I want to feel. Number four, it keeps me out of trouble with myself and other people. And number five, it protects my life and well-being. So if your thoughts aren't aligning with these rules, that's when you need to think, that's when you need to look into the uh, cognitive distortions and try to figure out what, what's off. I really wish, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna say that. I love being on vacation. I wish I was perpetually on vacation. I wish I was more prepared for this episode though. <laughs> Why? Uh, because on my door at home to my garage, we have a page. It's an email, so it doesn't look quite like yours. <laughs> it's a little bit more up to date um, <laughs> from our current couples therapist. And it's, and I forget what it's called. It's the ladder. And where you are in the ladder of happiness is how you're going to respond to certain stimuli in your life. So if you're happy, you know, you're going to respond to it better. And if you're sad and depressed, it's flight or flight. And if you are like fucking bottom of the barrel, like you're just going to go into basically your shell. So I'm going to have to look into that and maybe email the, the socials with that. Cause it, it's very interesting too. Because I think where you are mentally is going to affect how your rational thinking is as well. Well, and how you receive information. Um, I totally agree with that. There are times when, when my daughter will make fun of me and I laugh. And there are times when my daughter will make fun of me and I respond by yelling. And there are times when my daughter makes fun of me and I respond by crying and going to my room and pulling a blanket over my head and going to sleep. I think sometimes that's dependent on the time of the month, though, too. <laughs> At least for me. <laughs> you know, I I 
actually don't feel, um, it's probably the antidepressants, but my PMS doesn't, like my moods don't fluctuate with PMS necessarily. It's more external factors. I give way too much power to particular people in my life, but that's something I'm working on. Mine doesn't fluctuate monthly anymore either, but it's more my IUD. See, I know people who, I, I know two people who have had full-on hysterectomies that still have a PMS. They're like, if I had to guess, I would be on my period right now or getting ready to start my period because I feel... Yeah, emotional. I can tell that sometimes too. There are certain yeah. times I can tell that. What kind of fresh yeah. hell is that? That's right? bullshit. <laughs> well, they say it's to, I, I don't know, I guess they leave like a ovaries or something in if they can to help um, with that hormone regulation. Otherwise, you have to have like hormone therapy until you hit menopause. Hormones suck. <laughs> what? We'll have that episode in 10 years or something. I don't know. Well, my grandma went through menopause when she was 40. My mom went through menopause when she was, she finally finished menopause when she was 50. It took her years to get through it. Um, so I'm hoping it happens at any time because I'm pretty much done with all the reproductive shit inside this body. No use for it anymore. Nobody wants my old eggs. And I want to have sex without birth control. I have eggs, but they're tortoise eggs. Because I live on a rock in the middle of the Caribbean. Yay, she said it! <laughs> Any update on those eggs? No, not yet. So, uh, one uh, February, I'm sorry, March 1st will be 120 days. But I'm checking them, like... Regularly? So much that the phrase comes to mind, a, watch, a watched pot, pot never boils. Boils. Thank you, yes. I mean, it kind of comes to mind, but you can't say it. No, yeah, right. But clearly, even if you're staring at a pot of water that's on fire, it's got to boil. So that's what I tell point. myself. I know. It's what I tell myself every day when I check on the eggs. I'm like, whatever. If there's fire under the pot, it's going to boil. I don't care how much you watch it. Yeah, at some point, it's going to reach, what, 212, 211 degrees, whatever the degrees is. I think you're and right with 212, to. yeah. So what are our takeaways Oh, I gave you all my takeaways already, girls. They were great. My takeaways are if your rule or if your thoughts don't align with the five rules of rational thinking, then you should check out the cognitive distortions and decide where your thoughts lie. And like then it. do some fucking work to fix that shit. My takeaways are that therapists are just people. And so if you're going to rely on a therapist to help guide your life, you got to be really, really careful who that person is. Agreed. And also, there's not anything you can do to precipitate violence. Nothing. Nothing. You cannot precipitate violence. No one deserves it. And if somebody tells you you do, you run in the other direction. As fast as you can. Mm -hmm. But safely, don't trip. Yeah. <laughs> I think my takeaway, I totally agree with TC on that. And I'm going to steal the book that she loves and recommended to us. And it's all about those baby steps and take those little steps to make yourself feel better and try and stay ahead of the game because by the time you need therapy, it's already too late. So do what you can 
if it's writing a paragraph about yourself and your history that you just hand the person when you finally see them or going once a year and or a couple times a month or not a month maybe every other month or something check in with somebody these are my takeaways Elsie, my takeaway from this podcast is that I should write my fucking story so that when I have to see a therapist, I can literally hand them a piece of paper or that's, two or five. I think that's a good idea. Like, it's no, exhausting. That is a great idea. It's exhausting going over. Sometimes there's a lot of details, right? And it's just like, here you go, read this. And when you're up to date, let's chat. <laughs> All right, I'll email this to you ahead of time. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> when you're on to season five, let me know. <laughs> you guys ever watch that Netflix show called You? No. Mm-mm. So the second uh, season of that, the dude is going to see a therapist and he starts seeing the therapist because his girlfriend is seeing the same therapist. But his girlfriend is not just seeing a therapist as a therapist. She's <gasps> seeing the therapist. She's like banging the therapist. Yes. It's, I don't know. Again, therapists are people too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think journaling is a great thing too. Yes, journaling is a great thing. Yep. Journaling piece, is a great thing. A piece of paper and a pen, it's not gonna lead you wrong in most mm -hmm. cases. Very powerful. Yep. We we know where you can get some handmade journals if oh, you're in the Oh Mary, for that's them. beautiful. Thank you. I love it. Although this is a terrible one. It's it oh, was I a, love the rainbow. Thank you. So, do we have a challenge for our suds this week? We did. We came up with it during this episode. What I think Elsie said... <laughs> We're bringing back Laos. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You have, to, you have to say Laos in context sometime in the next week and tell us how you say it. Tell us about it. Tell you us how Laos. you're bringing Laos back. I think yeah, we should also Laos. challenge somebody to either come up with your write your story so that you can give it to a therapist or start journaling oh that's good yeah uh, that, Pick <laughs> one. much more productive challenges but, <laughs> but everybody say louse is a louse isn't that like a pill bug i think it's Wait, like yeah so it's uh it's the it's the um i thought it was a plural singular lice. no it's the singular of lice is it one louse multiple oh. lice oh is yeah, it lice? That makes way more sense. Elsie, you fucking louse. Oh. I don't know uh -huh. what it is. I'm looking it up I right also now. find, oh, you know, um, off topic slightly, but we're going to have to do an episode where we read articles from like the 1950s on how to be a good housewife. Shit like that, because it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> um, I like that. Like so a later episode. A wood louse is like a uh, roly-poly. That's gross. Quit showing me that. It's better You're than the, the lice lice. All right, our suds. <laughs> we challenge you to write your story down in a journal. Start journaling. And uh, until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to another episode of Siren Soapbox. 
Before you go, please show your support by subscribing and leaving an honest review for the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay connected to the Sirens on Facebook at Siren Soapbox. And if you haven't already, tell your community about the Siren Soapbox so they can join this thriving sisterhood too. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.